Well, happy New Year, friends. Now, listen, some of you greeted me in languages that I'm not great at, and that's good. I'm always happy to learn new languages. If Let's try something just for fun. I'm going to say Happy New Year in the language that my mom taught me, and I want you to reply in the language that your mom taught you, all right? Just for fun. Everything. What did my mother, did my mother teach you? Okay. Well, you grew up talking, speaking, okay? Happy New Year. Wow. That's awesome. I wish we had the time to unpack all that. It's, it's just beautiful. One of the family traditions that my family had on Christmas morning, after we got the stockings and presents done, is that Somewhere, oh, I don't know if it was around 10 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock, Queen Elizabeth would come on and do her speech to the Commonwealth. And my mom was a big monarchist fan, and my dad sort of went along with it. And uh, we would often watch the Queen give her Christmas chat on uh, TV. And back then, uh, I grew up with like one, it was a big deal when we got two channels. That's, you know... That's, it was a big deal. It was the only option. So we, we watched it. And so that was kind of a tradition in our house. Now, in 1992, I didn't see this version of the Queen's speech. In 1992, uh, Queen Elizabeth had a, a very bad year. And she called it in her speech, this is a Latin term, an annus horribilis. I mean, a horrible year. So maybe you've had, can relate to Queen Elizabeth, maybe you have had an Annus Horribilis. Maybe you can relate a little bit that. I, I just looked over the, the list this morning of what happened to her in that year, and she's got, what, four children? How many does she have? Okay, four. Well, three of them experienced serious either marital breakup or serious marital stress that year. It was just... Beyond a gong show. It was terrible. There was a major fire in Windsor Castle, and the government even started making her pay income tax. I mean, what's with that? Being the queen, I think she got over that part. But it was, it was the problems with her children, I think, that grieved her the most. And if you have children or if you're in a family, you know those family tensions can kind of come out sometimes around the holidays and that proximity. So she had an Annus Horribilis. So I don't know what 2016 was like for you. We were at a party last night with some friends, and some of us agreed we just like to kind of uh, scratch that one and let's, uh, oh God, have Lord have mercy. It's, it's one of my favorite prayers. I've told you that. Lord have mercy in, in 2017. So we're looking forward to that. Now, I'm not trying to sound negative. Uh, going into a new year, just realistic. And uh, some of these things can be challenging. So we want to do a couple of things this morning. I know we're a smaller crowd, which is great because that gives us a little more flexibility. You're all going, uh-oh. What, 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 what's now? What, I'm, at the end of the service, as we sing our closing song, Jesus Be the Center, that doesn't have a lot of verses, does it, Kim? Okay, it doesn't have a lot of verses, but that's okay. We're going to keep singing it as a worship song. There's, there are some spiritual communities that just keep singing, like the Taze tradition. They just keep singing until it 
gradually soaks into your spirit. And what we're going to do is we're going to keep singing that song while everybody helps us undecorate the Christmas tree. And I'll tell you why. Have you noticed the decorations? I think they're really sweet. Because we've got hope, love, peace. Joy's here somewhere. Okay. Take it for granted. Joy, okay? As we sing our closing song, I'm going to invite you to come forward. It's just part of our worship. And, and take one of those with you, okay? A minimum of one, maybe one at a time, because I want to make them last until they run out. But I'm going to invite you to come and undecorate the Christmas tree and say, Lord, this is what I need going forward in 2017. Okay? Can we do that? Well, it's a little unconventional, but I guess... Uh, okay, thank you for your flexibility. It's a new year, so we're trying new things, okay? Um, but there are... It's really great. The way they've been um, designed, because there are really great promises, Bible promises on the flip side. So I just invite you to do that. And, and so, again, I, I hope you've had not had an Annus Horribilis in 2016, but even if you have, I just invite you to do that. So this morning, as we uh, launch into the new year, Whitney, how are we doing with the PowerPoint? Is it? I'm sorry? I'm trying, and my thing is on. Ah, okay. What I want to, uh, first of all, welcome you to 2017. It's not often we have church on January the 1st. Wow, and you're all here. I mean, those of you who are here, I'm assuming you're here. And that's brilliant. That's great. And even if you're not here, can you just, like, pretend you're here, okay? But, uh, and I'm sorry if you missed out on the coffee. I've had three cups already, and I'm better. Thank you very much. But welcome to 2017. I was praying about what to uh, talk about this morning, and I changed the text a couple of times. What I'd like to read from you is the beginning of the book of Joshua. Now, if you remember, just to, to, to rewind a little bit, um, you remember that the children of Israel, all the Israelites, had been held captive in Egypt for 400 years. They've been basically um, occupied and, and, and they were a slave labor force for the Egyptian pharaohs who had these tremendous big building projects and he was not into unionized labor. He used slaves to build those gigantic structures. Some of them are still there today. The people cried out to God. God heard them at the right time, set them free. Only God could do that. And so they start wandering to this land that God had promised them. And they wandered and wandered and wandered around the desert and disobeyed God and had to learn. They had to learn how to be a a monotheistic people. That means a people that worshipped one God, not a whole bunch of little petty deities that were always squabbling and sleeping with each other and kind of making a reality show out of their existence, but one God. And he taught them his commandments for them, and he was trying to build a a people 
out of them. They went through a lot of adversity and a lot of hard times. But now, just on the verge of crossing the finish line, so to speak, they're ready to go. And this is what... uh, now, Now, there's a problem here because their faithful leader, Moses has led them all the way through the wilderness. And just, he can see it. He can see, he stands on a a hill or a large, small mountain called Mount Nebo. And he stands, I remember that name because on the farm I grew up on, our previous owners had called the hill behind our barn, the little, it used to be huge when I was a kid. Now it's not so big. This little mound of dirt he would stand up there and say, this is Mount Nebo. And he would look around the farm and say, this is the promised land. And it was full of rocks and trees and scraggly stuff. But anyway, that was Mount Nebo. So that's how I remember the name. So Moses stood on Mount Nebo and he could see it. He was so close that he could taste it. Because, but because he had disobeyed God previously, God said, Moses, you're going to lead people there, but you're not going to be able to enter in. But God saw, gave him a picture of the future. For his people. And said, Moses, all right, you've, you've done your job. And Moses dies before he gets to enter into the promised land. So here's Joshua, next man up. He is Moses' apprentice, so to speak. And he's been watching Moses and learning from him, learning on the job. And Joshua takes over the leadership of the nation of Israel. And this is where our story picks up. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, even to the land of the Hittites. Now, if you look at a map, that's quite a big stretch of territory. It's, it's nowhere near what the modern state of Israel has now, but it was a huge area. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions God gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The year 2016 had a lot of upheaval and unpredictability in it didn't it? When we look in the political scene, the world politics, even the economy is still kind of uh, up and down. And, and people come up with their analysis of the, the past year and predictions for the coming year. And it's easy to, to be filled with a sense of dread or, uh-oh, 
How can things get any worse? Or we might be filled with personal optimism about something significant and good that's going to happen. But I think it's important for us to, to put ourselves in Joshua's place. Maybe we're not leading a nation of several million people to, to worry about. But we are in families, we're in work groups, we're in relationships, networks with other people. And we are all called to follow God, in a sense, just like Joshua was. And, to, and we can learn a lot from this conversation that uh, God and Joshua had together. Let's go back and, and review some of these verses. First of all, I think what's important is that we need to define reality, right? That's, a, that's an important part of leadership. Define reality. After the death of Moses, God says to Joshua, Hey, Moses is dead. Uh, yeah, no kidding, Lord, I was there. I know. But God is trying to remind uh, Joshua, don't, don't live in the past. Okay? What's done is done. It is what it is. Move forward. Don't get stuck looking, with, uh, looking over your shoulder. It's very difficult to uh, drive safely down Portage Avenue when you're always looking your sh- over your shoulder. Now, it's good to shoulder check at the right time, to glance thoroughly. But if you drive like this all the time, you won't just get a sore neck. You'll likely end up with a significant claim from MPI by running into someone, right? So what God is saying to Moses, don't look back. Live life moving forward and proactively. And when we live life in retrospect or always going back and trying to fix our messes, it it takes away our energy from from moving forward. So, So God is trying to say, wake up and smell the coffee, Joshua. Moses is dead. And that means everything that he did is on you now. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these, these people, the Israelites, and, and take the land that they've been promised. Now it's your turn. It's your responsibility. This is on you. We can easily pin our problems or pin our woes or blame shift to other people but we need to know what, um, what we're responsible for. A proper definition of reality looks like this. What am I responsible for? What are other people responsible for? And what is God responsible for? So we need to define reality first. Going into 2017, what are the things that I can control? What are the things out of my control? And what things do I need to commit to God? So think about that. Next, God is saying to uh, Moses, sorry, to Joshua, I will be with you. I promise you what I promised Moses. Now that's encouraging. Because Joshua, seeing Moses do like amazing things and providing for the Israelites. Now he'd seen Moses mess up and make mistakes and we learn from our successes. We, hopefully we learn more from our mistakes than our successes. We can learn from both. And Joshua, I've been watching all this, but, it, but it's almost like there's a tag team going on. 
You know, like a, it's kind of like a relay race where Moses has run his part of the race and then he's kind of tagging up or passing the baton to Joshua and saying, hey, it's on you, buddy. This is your leg of the race. But what's brilliant about this is God says to Joshua, I promise you what I promised Moses. And then wherever you walk, you know, you'll have that land. What do we learn about God? God's promises have no expiry date. You know, when you go in the store and you buy yogurt and buy sketchy stuff, and I confess sometimes I go for the cheap stuff that's on sale, but I've learned the hard way. Look at the expiry date, because it's not a deal if it's going to, you know, if it was dead yesterday, right, and you shouldn't eat it. So expiry dates are really important when you're buying produce and yogurt and things like that. Now, God's promises do not have an expiry date. They didn't run out with your grandparents or your parents or your friends. Like God's promises are for us as well. And even if we're entering into a scary year or a year filled with apprehension, we're not sure what's going to happen, God's promises will not expire. Maybe you have a coupon or a gift certificate or something that ran out December 31st. 2016, and you're going, ah, oh, there's no fine print on God's promises. Isn't that, isn't that encouraging? There's no fine print there. So the Lord's saying to, to Joshua, look, don't look back. I'm with you. My promises actually apply to you and not just Moses. So let's go have an adventure together. Then he can says, and this is amazing, God promises his presence. No one's going to be able to stand up against you as long as you live. And after you're not living, you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Wow, what a promise for us. I will not fail you or abandon you. There are times in life when we feel abandoned by God and we enter what some spiritual writers have called the dark night of the soul. We feel like God is not there, but he has not abandoned us. He's trying to teach us how to lean into him and how to find all of our fulfillment and satisfaction in a relationship with him, not doing stuff for him, but knowing him. That's a wonderful promise to dwell on as we start a new year. I will not fail you or abandon you. I'm sorry, a nervous twitch there. Okay, it wasn't me that time. That's good. Um, So, knowing God's promises, we can move forward this way. Now, it's interesting that God's commandments don't have an expiry date either. And what God continues on uh, telling Joshua to do, he says, okay, my promises are still good, uh, but I want you to be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. So my commandments uh, don't have an expiry date either. Thanks, Whitney. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning to the right or the left. Then you'll be successful. So God's commandments don't have an expiry date. We don't say, well, culture has really changed and, you know, all that stuff that God said in the past, it doesn't really apply to no. No, God's commandments are still valid 
And we need to obey them today. Otherwise, we can't expect to have a relationship with the Creator. Now, as I was writing this and thinking about this, I have a confession to make, as usual. I really want God's blessings, but I struggle with God's commandments. It's like, really? Do I have to do all that stuff? Is there a way we can just have the blessings without the commandments? They kind of go, it's not that we earn God's favor, it's just that God, as a wise and loving parent, sets out healthy boundaries to live life by. And he says, Rick, I've been doing this for millennia, and you are not a new exception to this rule. If you live life by my commandments and by my good principles, you will thrive. You won't have a life free of adversity or problems, but you will thrive. And you'll have my presence. But personally, I get rebellious and I like push against the fences and boundaries and think, well, maybe they should apply to somebody else, but not really to me because I'm special or an exception of the case or they're for all those other people. And that's when I get into trouble personally and get off track. And then I do feel like God has abandoned me, but in truth, I've probably abandoned him. But what I'm trying to say is that God's promises and his commandments go together to give us a, a pattern, a way to live. And this isn't just, I don't want to give you a moralistic pep talk. You know, try harder, work harder, you know, have a good year. I'm not telling you to make any New Year's resolutions at all. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. It doesn't matter. I'm not trying, telling you to work harder. But I'm saying if we want God's presence and power in our lives, we need to be smart and live life His way. And then we can grab onto those, hold onto those promises that He's giving us. So to know God, he says, study this book of instruction, his word, continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Chew on it. Think about it. That's why we want you to undecorate the Christmas tree. Go home with something, okay, that you can chew on. There are verses on the back that you can chew on and meditate and make it yours, and you know what? If we run out of decorations, we'll make more, right? We can do more and have them here for next week. Ah, I, wanted, I needed some hope. All right, we'll make more. All right? But that's what God is, is saying to us today, I think, especially in the verge of a year where we don't literally don't know what's going to happen. Next, it's good for us to lean into his, to, to crave his presence and to, to make him part of our daily life, not just a Sunday check it off the list kind of existence. Because that's the relationship that we've been designed for, to be with him. So, um, God's promises don't have an expiry date, neither do his commandments. Most of all, I think God is saying to us, don't be afraid. Let's do a quick review of this passage and uh, we're going to do a little Bible study and uh, let's see, how many times does God say, have courage or be bold and courageous? Okay, doesn't show up in that page. Not on that one. Okay. 
Okay, who's keeping score? Okay, once, twice, doesn't show up on that page. Three? Okay, three times. And actually, one more time later in the chapter, but you can go home and read it for yourself. So three times. Why would God say, be strong and courageous three times to Joshua? What does that tell you about Joshua? Use your imagination. What does that tell you about Joshua? He was frightened, scared, maybe terrified. I don't know. Certainly more than apprehensive. He thought, oh my goodness, I've got this huge responsibility. Moses, Moses, the man, he's dead. Oh my, oh my. And God has to say to him three times, be strong and courageous. He's not saying suck it up, but he's saying be strong and courageous and get your strength from me. Okay, lean into me because I have this, I will help you. I'm here for you. I won't abandon you. I won't leave you stranded. But be strong and courageous. So Joshua is being called to action. Now God's going to do everything, but Joshua is being called to action, right? So as we stand on the uh, cusp of a new year, I mean, 2016 is history. 2016 is dead, basically, right? It's gone. And as we look at 2017, it's going to take some of us a few days to get used to writing 17, the, the new year. As we do that, let's think, okay, how is God going to be with me? How am I going to develop that? How am I going to lean into my relationship with God so I know that he is with me? How can I be more aware of him? I want to read you a quote from uh, Mark Galley. He's one of the editors of Christianity Today. And he's written an interesting uh, article on uh, New Year's resolutions. And this is just part of the... part. Of the, and it's not... He wants to tell people it's not about working harder and making big to-do lists on January 1. He tries to simplify it for us. Here's his quote. The more I strive to be a good Christian, more prayerful, patient, giving, sacrificial, whatever the more I find myself anxious, irritated, guilty, resentful, and self-righteous. When I simply accept that I'm a sinner, really, I find that I pray more and more patient, more giving, more humble, and more loving. So developing a deeper relationship with God is not about charting to-do lists and checking them off Diligently, It's good to apply ourselves, but what Galley is saying is that it really starts with a heart attitude of saying, Lord, I need you. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Now that is a prayer you can breathe, pray as you breathe. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Why don't you try it with me? Ready? Breathe in. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Try it one more time. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Okay? Now that doesn't mean we run around groveling and saying, oh no, God's going to wipe me out. He hates me. But it puts us, I think, in the right posture, in the right position and saying, ah, 
I need you. And not in a, not in a way that's craven or cowardly or, or super needy, but just saying, yeah, I need you here. So please be with me. Make me aware of your presence. Friends, I have no idea what 2017 will look like for us. I have no idea. But I do know that God wants to go with us into the future and help us to thrive. Now, your bank account may not significantly improve. It may get worse. Your health may not significantly improve. It might go through some serious changes. I don't know what our relationships are going to be like in the next year. I don't know. But God has promised that he will be with us and will not abandon us. And he wants to walk with us and to show us that his promises, he keeps his promises. And as we obey his commands and lean into him and practice being present with him, he will be present with us. Let me leave you with a verse that I hope you find encouraging. This is very appropriate for January 1st as well. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Uh, Repeat with me. 2016 is history. Okay? Ready? 2016 is history. Okay? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness with streams in the wasteland. I don't know what your 2016 was like, but I do know that God is promising to be with us in 2017. And that's something we can take to the bank. Now maybe there's a particular thing that you're asking God for specifically. Faith, hope, joy, love. If it's one of those things, I'm going to invite you as we sing this closing song, come on up, Kim, to... um, to pluck one of these things off uh, the ornament, uh, off the tree, and take it home with you and say, Lord, this is what I need. And again, if you really find there's one that, you know, you're missing, please let us know. We're going to make more. We're going to make more for next week anyway, okay? So you don't feel uh, left out. All right, Ashley, can we do that? We're going to have an extra 10 of each one of these things. And Ashley's making notes, so I know it's going to be done for next week. All right? And you can take one home with you. Now let's pray now. And then we're going to sing and I'm going to invite you up. I'm going to, don't worry, I'll move the manger out of the way. And uh, Garvin and LV, I need you guys to help me. Here's what we're going to do. If somebody doesn't want to have to worry about negotiating the stairs, you guys are going to stay there and you're going to custom deliver whatever they want. If you're okay with stairs, scramble up and help yourself. Okay? And we're going to sing Jesus Be the Center until we're done, which is okay. We're not in a rush, right? There's no, probably no good football games on today, really. Very much. Bear with me, okay? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be the center. We need you. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. My Father, will you please teach us how to be with you as we go into 2017? All of the junk, 
all of the stuff we don't want to carry forward in 2016, we leave at the foot of the cross and we come to this other tree, this tree of hope and life uh, to uh, pluck something off the branches for us to take home. So please bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.